Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us. Brett McMurphy will join us in 20 minutes. Big college headlines, including what is the Pac-12 going to do with their TV rights deal moving forward? What should they do? Plus a report out that it's already a foregone conclusion that Oregon and Washington are headed from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Again, uh, Brett joins us in 20 minutes. NFL headlines galore today. Marcus Mariota released by the Atlanta Falcons. No surprise with the, when I saw the breaking news headline. I mean, this is... This is one you could have written last November whenever they made the transition from Mariota to Desmond Ritter. And then the saga happened where he left the team and Arthur Smith saying he has a chronic knee issue, but it didn't prevent him from playing prior to him leaving the team. And then Mariota came back to the team. It was craziness, but crazier. There is a speculation out there, and I've mentioned this. Speculation now in Indy the Falcons could be preparing to make an offer for Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. They have freed up salary cap space even more so now. I believe they have the second or third best cap currently, around $65 million. And this is the first year in what has been a salary cap hell for them where they don't have these massive contracts eating away at their cap for players who aren't even on the roster, namely Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They were in the market for Deshaun Watson. And that's why I make the connection. If you're in the market for Deshaun Watson, you're willing to pay a certain amount for him, why wouldn't you do it for Lamar Jackson? And while they didn't give him the fully guaranteed deal, they allowed the Browns to do that. They weren't going to match it. They're, I mean, I think they would be prepared to pay more than what Baltimore's willing to do, which is to slap a franchise tag on it. But Baltimore would have to trade right. in this scenario, right? With Atlanta, I, I just don't know... Like you really got to have a good plan if you're Baltimore or just decide that, man, this guy just doesn't want to be here and we're tired of it too, so we should just move on. I don't know why that would be the case. I'm just trying to get to a point where I feel like Baltimore would be compelled to trade away a guy that they built specifically around with how he runs offense and what they want to do as a team. Lamar Jackson is perfect in Baltimore with the team around him. Not to say that Arthur Smith would not devise a great offense for Lamar Jackson. I'd love to see it. Arthur Smith is a great offensive mind. I think it would be an interesting pairing with him in Atlanta, but to get Baltimore to the point where they want to move him, I think is difficult for me to foresee in all of this. Only, uh, the only way it, it happens is Lamar Jackson makes it happen, right? That, I mean, we know that through uh, the reports that the coaches haven't even talked to him since they've been hired. And Todd Munkin said that. I, I'm, I'm just keep keep a lookout for this. You sent a tweet that he sent out about a report that he he was missing out on some sneaker deal or some Nike deal or something um, because he was representing himself and he he messed up the negotiation. Yeah, it was Mike Florio and uh, Chris, Chris Sims, Sims 
that were uh, discussing it, and they had they were talking about it on their show they do daily. And the tweet was, this is a report from it, that says, according to Mike Florio and Chris Sims, Lamar Jackson had a massive shoe deal fall through due to not having an agent. Hope this isn't true. And then Lamar Jackson retweeted it with a gif of LeBron James with just a confused look on his face, looking up the scoreboard, and then looking back down at the bench when that happened. Now, I took this as very clearly. Davey, our producer, said this could be Taken one of two ways. My initial reaction was this Lamar Jackson saying, What? Yeah, like it's not true not at true. all. Yeah, where where are you hearing this? But it, it, I guess it could also be taken as they're idiots because we had this set up. I don't know. I take it as the way you did, Chad. He's, he's saying that Florio and Sims aren't. Well, either that it. he's got the deal done or there was no deal to begin with and that it's nothing to do with an agent or I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Look, I mean, Lamar Jackson probably wouldn't know. If a deal fell through because he doesn't have an agent, why? Because he doesn't have an agent. So Florio and Sims could be dead on accurate, and he just doesn't know because whoever's <laughs> representing him has told him something different, and he only knows what he knows. So he could be responding honestly with that confused LeBron James gif and not really know what the story is with the shoe deal, or there could have been no discussion about a shoe deal, and this is all made up, or the shoe deal is done, and he's responding to it that way. But going back to Lamar Jackson, the player in Baltimore, I just don't see how they would move him. Well, I mean, you franchise him at worst, and he plays under the franchise tag. Unless, what, is he going to say he's not going to play? I don't know. I, I, I think he would play under the franchise tag. Or you could give him the non-exclusive tag where he can sign it, but another team can match that offer. And if Baltimore wanted to let him go because the team that's going to match the offer is going to sign him to a bigger deal... They would get two first-round picks in return. Yeah, they'd get a, as compensation a haul for compensatory picks. So, I mean, it's um, it's an interesting scenario. I de- they have not named that sounds Desmond, like a pretty good option to me. They have not named Baltimore. well unless you think you can get more than two first-round picks in return for Lamar yeah. Jackson. Then you negotiate the bigger trade prior. Then you to the go draft to Atlanta and say, let's, before you let's, tag him, let's talk shop. But the but the the tag deadline's coming up, so it's next week. So we'll know one way or the other here. The other interesting thing about Atlanta, they have not said publicly since the season ended that Desmond Ritter is the starter. And I take that to mean it's wide open. Because normally if you've got a quarterback going into year two and you get rid of your veteran, he's your guy. They haven't said that about Ritter. Well, not shocking, you know, for a third round pick, right? Ritter was yeah. third round. Just before that uh, you're Malik not Willis. Just, yeah, that you're not just compl- – now, the, look, Ritter looked better than Malik Willis – in his time yeah. playing, so there's some more question marks there. There's no question about Malik Willis. He's not the guy for the Titans, but I take that as, yeah, we're not we're not sold this guy's ever going to be that good. So we're we're in the market looking around with that no you know no statement on him being the starter. Leonard Fournette released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're freeing up cap space there as well. Uh, the veteran now uh, has his tenure done with the Bucks. Taylor Lewan on Bustin' with the Boys says there are three teams he refuses to play for, and they're the three teams not named the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. I can't tell whether or not the guy wants to play anymore. I go I, back I'm, and forth on this I'll because be, he continues I'll, to entertain conversation, and Vrabel even said today at the Combine that they have talked with Taylor about whether or not he wants to continue to play, but first, he's got to clear a physical. He's coming off the, the second knee injury in three years. I'm shocked he's even discussing playing, honestly. When I, when I saw this quote, 
about teams he wouldn't play for. I, I, I just, I've thought all along, and maybe we'll get to that point. He's going to go do busting with the boys, do more for bar, Barstool Sports and be in media, and he's going to crush it the way he's, he's great. been crushing yeah. it. He's really good. I mean, he's a guy, you know, he's, he could be on college game day one day in an entertaining bit. I mean, he's a very a super smart, funny, entertaining dude in the same line as a former player as Pat McAfee, and he's someone that's got a bright future in media. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't just get to it and get going with it, especially considering the injuries. I'm not saying Taylor Lewan doesn't love football. Clearly he did for a long time. And if he wants to get back out there and play again, he loves it a lot more than I even thought that he loved it based on the injuries combined with his success in media. Plus a reduced role, you would think, if he comes back here. It's surprising to me that... Based on pay. And that's just because of the availability of what what the team knows. He loves it a lot more than I thought if he decides to come back and play, whether it be for the Titans in a reduced role or anywhere else. The fact that he's saying that about the rest of the division also shows me that this is a guy that ultimately wants to be remembered only as a Titan he lives in Nashville now. Nashville will be his permanent home, and that is important to him. And that is business 101. Yeah. That is so smart. I wish more athletes understood the value of not turning on a place where you've spent your entire career and endearing yourself even more to a fan base in Nashville, the Titans, that called him dad for years, right? They had the dad yeah, hats, right. and they referred to him as dad. It's like Rodgers with Chicago. That is very, very smart business to come out and say that. Regardless of what he's going to do, maybe he's leaning towards retiring either way. But just saying that, putting it out there, and if he actually goes and practices it and either goes somewhere else or stays the Titan and and avoids those teams and then still calls Nashville home and the Titans his team, I think that's just good long-term business association with one franchise. I would give that advice to any player that spends a good amount of time with one franchise. Chad, coming up tomorrow, we'll chat with Marcellus Wiley. And uh, he had the comments a week or so ago where he was uh, discussing not he, he wouldn't let his daughter play against a, a team that had a transgender female on to compete against his daughter on that roster or individually for that matter. There's a girls basketball team at, uh, at a Christian school in Vermont that forfeited a state championship game upon learning the opposing team was uh, they had on a roster a transgender player. And the head of the Christian school argued that it was unfair, unsafe for her girls to compete against a biological male on the court. And so they withdrew from the state championship instead of playing through the postseason. That is a difficult call based on the time and effort, no matter what level you're playing, for your team to just bow out based on that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, we've been very consistent on this, uh, regardless of who we're talking about, that it's not about, to me, this is not about, you know, trans rights or, you know, what we want or expect and how we treat humans or any of those things, right? I mean, tr- transgender people have rights and deserve rights like any other American in this country, but that does not give you the right to cross over and compete in female sports, uh, especially at the high school level, you know, we're talking about here. So there's a fairness issue to this that makes no sense. And it's not fair and it shouldn't happen. Now, this is a tough call. Because if I'm the coach or I'm the headmaster at this school and my girls have made it to a state championship game mm-hmm. and these girls are wanting to play 
regardless of who's on the other it's side a of the court. Quarterfinal, just to be clear, it was a state final. championship tournament. Yeah, but it's a quarter. That yeah, that that's through the through the story well, outkick right now. Regard, they're playing for a state championship, no and they're on the road to maybe winning a state title. And this is the final game for a group of seniors or whatever it may be. I'm putting this up to a team vote. That'd be my call as the coach. I could have my own stance and say it's unfair. Now, if I thought if I saw the the transgender player on the other side is hurting other girls or there's a safety issue right. from a size and strength standpoint, I, I would let that weigh into my decision. But I'm I'm letting the girls on my team vote on this. They're the ones who have worked to be there. It's their season. It's the end of their career. I assume most of them aren't going on to play college ball. So it's the last big-time event they're going to be a part of as an athlete. I let them vote on it. Yeah, and I mean, so everyone wants to be inclusive with all these rules and regulations instead of just doing what's right. And this just makes no sense. Uh, where this is a middle school that's in Vermont where this is going down. But I mean, uh, the fact that parents and coaches and players are having to make this decision based on the exception of one person that is biologically the opposite of the league you're in, to me, makes no sense. Yeah, so... It's the, less about fair and just doing... Uh, this This is what's right. Uh, men and women and having separation biologically, uh, not with the ideas, but with, you know, with what we know through the science. So Vicky Fogg is the, um, the head coach at Mid-Vermont Christian School. And this was her statement about withdrawing from the game. She says, we withdrew from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general. I totally agree with everything she said Mm -hmm. in that statement. And I'll say this, while I would lean towards doing what the girls on my team wanted to do, if they wanted to give it a shot and go play the game, the only way to affect change is doing what Vicky Fogg did. I mean, that, that, it's a story at OutKick and a lot of other places because she forfeited. If they play the game and lose in the natural way and the other team just moves on to the quarterfinals, then you're probably not doing much to affect change in regards to that. So you got to weigh that part of it also, right? I had this conversation sure. with my seven-year-old last night. We had softball practice. Got home, there was a men's college basketball game. I'm not sure what was on the TV. And we're sitting there watching some of it. And my seven-year-old daughter said, Dad, the, uh, I, you know, I, I don't really want to say this, but I'll say it. The boys' games are better than the girls' games when I watch them on TV. And she asked me the question. She said, so are boys better than girls? And I said, well, boys are naturally bigger and stronger and faster a lot of times, so the games look different. I believe the games are better. They're more fun to watch. And my seven-year-old, Evie, gave me a look like, really, Dad? Really? You're going to say that to me? You know, your daughter? And I said, I'm just telling you the truth about it. Doesn't make what you do any less important. Doesn't mean that you're not better at a million other things Mm -hmm. than, you know, dunking a basketball like these guys are that were watching this college basketball game. Doesn't mean any of those things. I'm just being honest with you that there's a difference between boys and girls and how they grow and how they develop and how they play sports and how they operate physically. And, you know, it wasn't the easiest thing to tell my seven-year-old that when she hears from the boys at school that, you know, baseball is better than softball and she's arguing with them that, you know, yeah, boys are different than girls, but 
I also told her to go fight back and, you know, tell them how good you are at <laughs> softball and you can throw a ball with them at any time and, and show them that. But bottom line is, look, this is a, a dialogue that needs to happen. We'll have Marcellus Wiley on the show tomorrow and continue the dialogue. There's easy to me right and wrong on certain things and easy to explain right. it. There are other moments that I talk about with that to illustrate that it's not always the easiest thing to talk about also. So I, I get part and of that. And I think this is one of those examples of, to me, not the easiest decision in the world to not play this game and forfeit if you're this school and you're this coach. Not easy, but the decision that's made, I totally understand. I totally understand and, the decision. And, I think, and again, it's the only way to affect change. But, but the vast majority of those on this topic agree with exactly what the coach said in this. From the Vermont Middle School. It is such a vast, vast, minuscule minority of people that would argue saying it's completely fair and normal for biological males to compete against women in sports if they're transitioning. It's just such a small percentage of people. Most people that don't want to talk about it or don't like the talking points on this will just come back and say, yeah, it doesn't happen that much, right? Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't happen right. enough to talk about, so shut up about it. How many times has this happened? Has it affected you yet? You know, that's kind of the, also the comeback is, have you gone through this yet? Again, I don't think it's a huge widespread issue yet, but it can become that if you don't stop it and you don't just say what it honestly is, well, unfair. 18 states have done legislation to, uh, that has passed to, to yeah, keep this from happening at public right. in, institutions or or. Uh, schools or leagues, but the public leagues, I'm saying through the school. This is a private school in Vermont that had to forfeit. Coming up, we dive into the college football headlines with Brett McMurphy. It, we'll, we'll start with the Pac-12 and the example of what not to do and how to handle change versus what the reports are for Clemson and FSU that want more of a revenue split, a higher share because of their brand name for the conference in the ACC and what that could mean for the conference. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and the Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Pleased to be joined by Action Network's college football insider, Brett McMurphy, joins the Outkick Network. Brett, thank you for the time, man. Hey, you got it. Good afternoon, guys. Pleasure to be with you again. So we've been discussing your reporting on the the Pac-12 media rights deal at length. And I want to get your perspective on where they are right now versus where they thought they'd be. And what are they actually selling to other networks to drive the price up, Brett? Uh, I was hoping you guys would tell me. That's why I was coming <laughs> on. Uh, you know, look, I mean, it's, you know, they, the Pac-12 has been an easy punching bag. And, you know, I, you know, I feel for George Kleofkopf right now because he's got a tough job, the Pac-12 president. 
excuse me, the commissioner, you know, you could say that perhaps the PAC 12 could have or should have done things differently a year ago regarding their media rights, uh, maybe regarding trying to grab some schools from the big 12. But, you know, look, I'm an Oklahoma state alum and I'm, you know, I'm not shy at admitting it. I didn't blame the PAC 12 for trying to add any big 12 schools. It didn't make sense. They didn't want to drop to that level, if you will, academically and, and for other reasons. So that made sense. But ironically, because they didn't do that, and new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, went early with their, the Big 12's media rights, what it did is it basically capped what the Pac-12 can get. Because if you're ESPN, you're not going to pay the Pac-12 more than you're paying the Big 12. You're not going to pay them more than you're paying the ACC. Um, I won't insult your intelligence by even comparing the Pac-12 to the SEC. So what you ask, where can they go? That's the unknown. I know this. Fox is not going to has Fox has no interest in the Pac-12. They're locked in with the Big Ten. They also have a smaller deal with the Big 12. Also, some a smaller deal with the Mountain West. They simply have no room to add any inventory. So where does the Pac-12 go? Well, ESPN could take a smaller package, or you could go the streaming route. But then you get into do you want to go the streaming route where potentially you could get more money, but then you're not going to get that constant drumbeat of promotion if you're on a streaming service, you know, on the weekend, you know, NHL and ESPN is a perfect example. When the NHL wasn't on ESPN, you never heard anything about the NHL on SportsCenter or all their shows. Now that they have a deal with the NHL, it's on all the time. That's cool. That's how they work. So if the Pac-12 get went exclusively streaming, they may get a little more money, but they're not going to get that daily promotion. And there's a lot of people within the Pac-12 that do not want to do that. What can they do? What will they do? That's that's the big unknown. And there's not a right or wrong answer. It's trying to get the most money you can for your membership schools. And on top of all of that, then you've got the factor that, you know, people continue to tell me that the Big Ten is not done expanding. So that means they will go get Oregon and Washington at some point. Will it be tomorrow? Will it be next week? Will it be two years from now? I don't know. But if I'm Oregon and Washington, how enthusiastic am I at signing a new grant of rights deal, whether it's three years, four years, five years, 10 years, whatever is presented in front of me, knowing that there's a very real possibility I could get an invite to the Big Ten. And so it's kind of like if you're, you know, are you going to are you going to lease your apartment for four more years knowing that you're going to move in a new house in two? No, nobody's going to do that. So all of these factors make it challenging for the Pac-12 and also, you know, what hurts the Pac-12 is ESPN's not really bidding against anybody. So ESPN's not going to say, oh, you know what, we, we feel bad for the Pac-12. We're going to throw you an extra $100 million. Apple and Amazon, they're not really bidding against anybody. So they're not going to say, you know what, we're going to overpay for this just because we feel bad for the situation you're in. And so that's where, you know, everyone in the industry is kind of wondering where they're going to end up. I've reported previously that CBS, and Turner were no longer involved. As I mentioned earlier, Fox is not involved. I mean, they could look at some, you know, Liv Goff is on CW. I reported that, that Eon TV, um, which has, you know, 60, 70 local channels nationwide, could be a, a potential destination or part of the package. Everyone's kind of waiting to see. And also the Big 12 is waiting to see what's going to happen because it's a Pac-12 present a media rights deal that is not equal or near what the Big 12 
has moving forward, then I think you'll see the likes of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah look very seriously at going to the Big 12. And when you see this, it, it's such a tough spot. The Big or the Pac-12 is in right now, Brett, and you know that. But the possibility of just doing a short-term deal that's not great but could be uh, an experiment – right now for the Pac-12 to not lock anyone into anything long-term, that's also not going to be great compared to the other big conferences. An example would be Apple TV, right? The idea that they could have a Friday night game and have other Pac-12 games, but the Friday night game could be promoted, uh, or excuse me, Amazon, the Amazon Thursday night NFL game could promote a Friday night game on Amazon. Then if Apple comes in who needs their own catalog, uh, their own inventory because they don't have anything going into it, and they wanted to take over most of the rest of the games. To do that as an experiment, I know you're not on, you don't have that ESPN bang for your buck with the promotion of it, but what do you think about maybe a short-term deal for two to three years to try to get everyone locked into that and then see what the market looks like, let's say, two years from now? Yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. And I'm sure I'm sure Kleopkoff is thinking about every possible scenario out there. Um, you know, the, if you're going to do a two, two or three year deal, then certainly I think those schools would be receptive to doing that. Um, but still, if you're Oregon or Washington, you know, I, I don't know when they really haven't said anything. What what number they're looking for, um, if they do get a number they're looking for, look, even if even if Kriovkov is able to get them Big 12 money, which is about 31, 32 million per school, even if he's able to do that, Oregon and Washington will more than double that in five, 10 years from now, could triple that by going to the Big 10. So if, even if Kriovkov can get that number, like you mentioned through Apple or Amazon or, or some other way, um, you know, look, they would sign it if they had to if they didn't have an invite from the Big Ten in the near future, because if basically it gets down to either sign this deal or you're no longer a member of the conference, and if they have no invitation from the Big Ten, then they've got to sign the deal unless they want to try and be an independent for a few years, which technically they could, I guess. Good luck trying to schedule some teams that, you know, some some non-group of five teams this late in the game. I mean, they could do that, but that's kind of the – predicament they're in and that's kind of the predicament that the Pac-12 is in but believe me what you suggested I think they're thinking of that I think they're thinking of every every possible solution they can but again unless somebody just blatantly overpays some company blatantly overpays for the Pac-12 and most of these media companies make a lot of money because they don't overpay for a lot of things then I don't know how they're going to get to that money and if they don't get to that money then what's going to happen. Then these Pac-12 schools are going to have some tough decisions. You know, forget about Oregon and Washington. What are Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah going to do? And I know the narrative now is, and I understand it out there, is that, look, everybody in Pac-12, kumbaya, we're sticking together, we're working together, we're going to stay together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you guys are going to stay together. You're going to stay out sick for the rest of your life until you're not (laughs) And then you're gone. And I'm not, I'm not just an outkick, but you know what I'm saying? Everyone's going to stay committed where they're at until they're not. So the fact that nobody's coming out now and saying, well, we're going to leave if we don't get the money, nobody's going to say that publicly. Privately, yeah, but publicly, no. And so there's just so many challenges that's facing the, 
the Pac-12. And it reminds me of, you know, several years ago when the, when the Big East folded because basically it came down to a, you know, battle royale between the Big East and the ACC. And the ACC went and got Pitt and Syracuse and later got Louisville. And now we look at, you know, the ACC, the football conference, and the Big 12 football conference no longer exists. Brett McMurphy, our guest, Action Network College Football Insider. Brett, the, the reports that Clemson and Florida State want more of a, rev, a heavier revenue share based on their brands compared to other members in, in the conference for the ACC, what can be learned about what, we've, what we're in the middle of right now with the Pac-12 negotiations versus what they're locked into with the ACC and their grant of rights? And what do you think they see in their reflection? The other member institutions as USC and UCLA walked maybe we see Oregon and Washington maybe not but if you have your top brands of your conference saying yeah we need a bigger split to survive do you take note of that or do you ignore it and say no give me my fair share no I think I think that could be a possibility but again um, let's say that Kleofkoff is able to get an average of we'll say 30 32 million the same as the big 12 32 million per school and then you want to do unequal revenue distribution okay well, let's say the top school gets 40 million and the bottom school gets 20, 25 or 23 or whatever it is. Even if Oregon or Washington is getting 40 million and everyone else is getting 30 or 27, they are still going to leave. It's not a long-term solution. It's a short-term solution, and that could work. And the same with the ACC. You can give Florida State, you can give Clemson, you know, the ACC is around that 30 million mark too, maybe a little bit more. You can give them 40 million. You can give Wake Forest 20 million. Uh, you know, you can give Syracuse 17, however you want to break it up. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is, if Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina, and you know all the sus- usual suspects out of the ACC, if any of them can figure out a way to get over the wall or dig under the wall and get out of that long term grant of rights deal, they're going to do it. Because as Michael Alfred did Florida State, athletic director said the other day talking to the board of trustees knowing this was a public function knowing this would get out he basically said you know look going forward we're going to be back we're going to be about 30 million dollars behind the big 10 and the sec and we simply cannot compete that way so um i think an unequal revenue distribution is a possibility but i think it's i think it's a band-aid on a on a you know you know, gunshot wound. And I don't think it's ultimately long-term. I don't think it's going to do much. It may appease a school, whether it's in the PAC 12 or the ACC, but bottom line is if they get an invite from one of the, one of the power Two, Godzilla or King Kong, choose your favorite monster for the SEC and big 10, they're going to leave if they can. You know, obviously if you are in the big 10 or the, the SEC, the Godzilla and King Kong, you call them there, Brett, then you're good financially. You think things are going to be okay. You're sort of recession-proof in those two conferences because they're going to carry the banner for major college sports for the foreseeable future. Let's say Florida State, Clemson, I'll throw Oregon, Washington into this mix also. Even though they're not in one of those two conferences currently, have they ever had more power than they do right now based on the fact that their current conferences know – they got to do whatever it takes to keep them because they have value while also having the ability to flirt with King Kong and Godzilla and know that you may be something that they want eventually. And then you could just go join the financially secure conferences. Are they as powerful as they've ever been for that reason? 
Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, and you're right. They are powerful and they are at a, a great, um, they are in a great situation as far as negotiating, but also keep in mind if Florida state, Clemson, Washington, Oregon, North Carolina, et cetera, if they didn't have the brand recognition, if they didn't, you know, attract the, the TV eyeballs and all those different things, they wouldn't have this power. So they do have the, they do, they kind of always had the power, but now they have the leverage because what they're getting paid in their current conferences is so drastically different than where they could end up. And so again, that's why when, whenever there's conference realignment, I know it's easy to, you know, target the commissioner. How could the commit, how could Bob Bowlesby let Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC? It, you know, look, you and I could have been commissioner. The same thing would have happened. It doesn't matter. They're leaving a conference to go to another conference where they're going to double the value of their media rights deal every year. They basically guaranteed the future of their athletic department for the next 20 years by making that move. It doesn't matter who the, the conference is. It doesn't matter who the commissioner is. Schools are going to do that because of the money. Well, who determines what how much each school is worth? Is it the conferences? No, it's the, it's the TV networks. You know, and I'm not saying that ESPN is here pulling the string saying we wanted you to bring in Texas and Oklahoma. But what happens is and it happens with every conference It happened with the Big Ten. The Big Ten goes to its TV partners. The SEC goes to its TV partners and says, if we add OU in Texas, our current deal is worth X. If we add those schools, what is it going to be worth? And ESPN tells them that Fox tells the Big Ten, you're worth this if you add USC and UCLA. It's worth this. If you add Notre Dame, it's worth this. And so then the presidents get together and say, hey, you know what? If we had if we had these schools, we go from this amount of money every year to this amount of money. Do you want to proceed with expansion and realignment? And they're all like, uh, yeah, let's do it right away. So um, it's kind of they do have the power now, probably more power than they've ever had. But again, um, part of it is because of the, the brand name recognition they have and the value that they have brought. If Florida State, you know, they're, they're obviously on the uptick now. They're, you know, they're, they're going to be a preseason top 10 team um, in the fall. But, you know, if they had strung together, you know, three or four consecutive two or three win seasons, they probably wouldn't be looked at highly enough. But they are a big, big brand name. And, you know, they are an attractive team. And if, if them, Clemson, if any of the teams from the ACC can figure out a way to get out of the grant of rights before 2036, which I think they will, I just don't know how, how soon before then, believe me, the SEC and Big Ten are going to be having a, having a bidding war for those guys. So that kind of leads back to what you said initially, where certainly they will have, they'll have more power than they've ever had before, because I think ultimately what we're going to end up with is the Big Two will end up having 24 schools in each conference. And then, you know, we'll kind of have whatever else is left. And I don't know if that'll still be Division One anymore, if it'll be a different division or it'll be um, split into, you know, one double A or whatever they want to call it. But I think it'll be like the NFL. You know, you'll have, you'll, you know, the SEC will be on ESPN. The Big Ten will be on, on Fox or CBS. And, you know, the two champs will play in college football Super Bowl. But I think that's probably about 10 years away. Brett, who are you hearing is the next commissioner of the Big Ten who's going to be in the mix of all of this? I don't really. I mean, I've heard names, but I wouldn't want to put anything out there because then it's like, oh, Brett Murphy said this guy is up for it. I, I think there's a lot of people. They don't have a. They don't have a. I know them. 
I, I, I strongly believe what well, I've been told, not that I believe it. I've been told there isn't a so-called leader in the clubhouse. I mean, they're basically, you know, they're looking under every rock, searching everywhere they can. And they, they you know, they got to decide, you know, what kind of commissioner do they want? Do they want to, you know, someone that, that has a, you know, collegiate background? Or do they want to, you know, go kind of the same route they did with Kevin Warren, somebody that didn't have a, a college background, but, you know, was, was uh, you know, stronger in other areas, television and different things. So, um, you know, it's the presidents will figure that out. I'm sure you'll see a lot of names thrown out there. Um, a lot of them are agents calling up reporters and saying, can you get my guy's name out there? Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, I can't, uh, yeah. I don't have, if I, if I knew, I'd tell you, but I, I, at this point, I really don't know. I do know they want to, they want to move fairly quickly. Kevin Warren officially moves to the Bears in April. So I know, know they want to move quickly as they can, but they're also, it's something they're not going to rush. Which of those descriptions do you think the SEC would hate the most? The guy with the background or not? Uh, I don't know. I, there is a real rivalry between the SEC and the Big Ten. I have to tell you guys that. But, and it's only going to get bigger and bigger. So I guess the SEC would want whoever they perceive as the, as the weakest pick for the commissioner. Um, because I, I really believe, guys, when the when these ACC schools um, are ever able to get out of this, uh, this out of grant of rights deal, um, you know, the big 10 and SEC are going to, they're going to go after them and it, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And then the fallout from that obviously will impact on um, the big 12. It'll impact what's left with the ACC. Um, you know, whatever's going on with the PAC 12 at that, at that point is the PAC 12 simply, you know, three or four schools that were left over, plus whoever they cobbled together from the Mountain West. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, the Big Ten will do all right, and obviously we know the SEC is going to do all right, but it's, um, you know, I talk about realignment a lot. People kind of get the perception I like it. I don't like realignment. I like covering it because I've got a lot of contacts. But bottom line, I think it sucks. (laughs) I hate it for the sport. I, I, I love the old days where we had the Southwest conference and we had the WAC and, you know, we didn't have 16 team conferences. We had 10 or 12 and that was max. And I loved it. And I hate that because I'm afraid that college football is continuing down the path of becoming, well, it already is professional, but it's becoming more and more like the NFL. And I think the NFL is a cookie cutter league and hopefully college football doesn't become that because I think that's why we love college football so much, especially I know you guys, because there's so much disparity. There's so much difference. There's yep. so much craziness. And I'm afraid if everyone becomes the same, then we're going to lose some of that uniqueness and wildness that we, that we come to love and expect every, every Saturday. Totally agree. And if you really want to stoke the fires, that Big Ten SEC rivalry, the Big Ten should try to hire Greg Sankey. <laughs> as their next, as the, get, get a bidding war going. I don't know what his contract situation is, but you want to talk wow. about a blockbuster bit of news is if they just went and plucked the SEC commissioner to be the new Big Ten commissioner. Won't happen. Or the number two. But that'd be well, that, quite the headline yeah. for you, Brett. Well, that would be – that's another – again, keep that in mind. That's a perfect example about some of these schools that could, could come open. You know, sometimes you may just take a school so another conference can't get that school. So, yeah, obviously the Big Ten, you know, would love to have Sankey, you know, because of what he could do for the conference. Knowing Sankey's relationship with the SEC, 
uh, I would guess he would like play along and then he would come out publicly and say, I'm staying, I'm staying at home, you know, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street. I ain't going anywhere, <laughs> you know, that kind of deal. But I can, I can, uh, I can break this news for you. Greg Sankey is not a candidate for the <laughs> of uh, the big fan. Damn Sorry, it. Guys. I was hoping for that story. That would have been a great and, story for and us. And Brett, here's breaking yeah. news. The SEC will claim victory over that statement as yes, well. They're, they're about to put, they're actually exactly. about to put that, exactly. that Leo uh, uh, gif out right I now. I can hear the chant about, going. I'm not leaving. Yeah. yeah. Brett, thank you so much, man. Always yeah. enjoy your insight, and uh, we'll continue to, to follow your great work. You got it, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Brett. Brett. Murphy, their Action Network, College Football Insider, great follow on social. Um, speaking- can, can you imagine, by the way, Sankey coming out, Chris Jericho, Y2J style, <laughs> as the Big Ten new commissioner, the countdown begins, or he's, he's, the, just, he's staying there with his arms up. Or he's the that. higher power deal with Vince McMahon. Oh, my the gosh. Undertaker. Can you imagine that story? Uh, an example of the SEC distancing itself as a conference from Brandon Miller and what's going on at Alabama. That's next in Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. It's been a fast-paced show today, Tuesday edition. Hope you join us tomorrow. Clay Travis will be with us, plus Marcellus Wiley and more. Chad, a, it's gonna may, be a good show. A uh, maybe an example of the SEC distancing itself from Brandon Miller and the Crimson Tide and what's gone on this week, last week, with the details from the preliminary hearing where Miller supplied the gun. He brought the gun to the scene to Darius Miles prior to the the murder and the capital murder charges that now take place. Um, He's not the freshman of the week, Brandon Miller, for hoops. Instead, it was Nick Smith Jr. as the freshman of the week in the SEC. And I think we know who played well last week, Brandon Miller. So I'm trying to find exactly who votes on it. It says coaches and media have some sort of say on this for SEC players of the week and freshman of the week. So did all the... Coaches and media get together and decide not to vote for Brandon Miller or did what I think is the more likely outcome, Yes, the SEC just decide, yeah, I don't care who voted for him. We're going to have second place win this but week without and not a Brandon doubt, Miller. Without a doubt. He's he averaged the player, 32 points a game I mean, over, over the week. He's the player week. of the they, year. They, that, he, that's been our whole point. He single-handedly As, won the game at South Carolina, avoiding disaster because South Carolina's bad, and they right. won that game in overtime. And then they get down, I think, 12 points, 13 points at one point to Arkansas. He leads them back, has a great game against the Razorbacks at home. They win that game 2-0 and week. He averaged over 30 during the week. He's the SEC player of the week on the court, and the SEC decided not to give it to him. We had this discussion about, you know, if you have a vote for SEC freshman of the year, player of the year, where do you vote? It's Brandon Miller's it, award. It's, it's him. But that's our point with the I mean, whole argument against what Bama's done. If it's yeah, anyone else, I, I would vote for him he's because sitting. he's been eligible in playing. 
So yeah, I abide by and, the rules of it. And the, the conference and he's is the, letting, He's yes. the freshman of the year. Yeah. So he's probably the player of the year in the right. SEC also. He's both. So, I mean, you know, that that's the uncomfortable part of all this. Nate Oates is going to continue to stand up there and talk about TSA pat-down pregame rituals, stuff that he can explain and say what's going on and then fall on the sword for that. But what you're not going to get is full explanation as to why he didn't get disciplined at all by the team because there really is no explanation other than he's a really good player and we want him to play. And that's, that's it. And we that, got him for one that also Guys, begs, we have him for one season. We're not going to ruin this one season. No matter what uh, he's been involved with, he's going to play the whole way because Brandon Miller is our chance to win a national championship. And Period. In, t- in today's media world, it fades away if he doesn't do the pat-down and then post it on social. I mean, that, that's, that, that's the sad part about this. It's a 24-hour news cycle, and they're on to Auburn. Right, but Nate Oates continues to make statements. Brandon Miller continues to do these things, where you know, knowing how it looked even post game, is still posting that photo where he's posed while getting the pat down as the header on Twitter, and then deleting his account. Look, they can try to move on to Auburn, and uh, you know they can that, the Patsy media that cover Alabama. They can talk about the uh, you know the mental fortitude of Brandon Miller in these last few weeks and everything else the rest of America is going to continue to think about the murder of the young mother every time they see Brandon Miller in Alabama play. That's just going to be the storyline in everyone's mind and what's going to be covered nationally until this season ends for Alabama. Back at it tomorrow. Plenty of NFL Combine news and notes and reaction opinion on what we've heard from the floor today and news that will be out tomorrow. I hope you'll join us 3 o'clock Eastern start time. Outkick Network for Outkick 360.